There are so many things as humans that we don't really understand. There are mystic, magical, faded things, as well as otherworldly realms that we just can't comprehend unless it's through the journey of our own soul. I'm your host, Steffi, aka The Spirit Sis. I'm a psychic medium, astrologer, and intuition teacher, and I'm here to take you on an exploration of all things spiritual. I'm going to connect to Source, give you divine downloads, and I want to keep you in the spirit loop. So here is the Psychic Scoop. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Psychic Scoop with me, your host, Steffi, aka Spirit Sis. I am an evidential psychic medium, an intuition teacher, and astrologer, here to usher you through your spiritual awakening. But if you are already enlightened, then thanks for hanging out. (laughs) All of the podcast episodes are spirit-led, which means... I am channeling the information to give to the collective. And if you're a new time listener, I just appreciate you being here. I know that we found each other for a reason. And if you're a long time listener, hey, bestie, welcome back. It's just an honor and a privilege to be here with you in this space. I have an amazing guest for you today, and I really felt called to post this as soon as possible because it is this channeled message, especially during this time, during the holidays. I think trauma can come up in places we don't recognize and having a meditation practice is really helpful to kind of work through those triggers, even triggers you're subconsciously not aware of. I think it can really help center and ground yourself during this time. And if you love this episode, I encourage you to share it on socials or send it to a friend, rate, comment, and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help me a ton. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, on to our guest. I will be chatting with Lisa Erickson. She is a chakra-based energy worker. She is an author and a teacher specializing in women's energetics, sexual trauma healing, kundalini activation, and manifesting through the chakras. She is so fascinating. She has two books out, which we'll talk about, and she really does help people deepen and personalize their meditation practices, and she also does chakra empowerment, which is so cool. She's trained in multiple energy healing modalities and certified in several mindfulness techniques and meditation instructions. And she talks a lot about trauma sensitivity. So please enjoy this very special episode with guest Lisa Erickson. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Lisa, hi. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so excited. I am really excited to be here. This is, I've been looking forward to this all week. So. The same. And we just found out we're neighbors. We live in the same area in Los Angeles. Crazy. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Like within a few blocks of each other. Wow. But anyway, okay. It's a pleasure. The listeners are so excited. So just basic question. First of all, what's your astrology sign? I am a Pisces sun. I am an Aquarius moon and a Leo rising. So that'll give you, I can give you the whole thing, but we'll just go with the, the big three. Oh, I love the big three. I always ask 
the guess what their big theory is. Okay, cool. So you do a lot of things. You're an author, you're a teacher, you work with energy, with women's energetics, trauma, healing, you do all the things and meditation. How did you start your journey? Like where did this work all fall in? Tell us your origin story. My origin story. It really started as part of a spiritual, well, a meditation practice that was originally for stress management way back 35 years ago now, just out of college. And that was unusual then to find a meditation class. I was in New York at the time experiencing stress headaches and things like this. And the meditation class I happened to wander into happened to be a chakra and Kundalini meditation class. Mm. So that really formed, became my spiritual path for a long time. And eventually I branched out into studying the energy medicine side of energy work. And now I really kind of bridge bridge those two worlds. You have very different energy teachings in from a spiritual awakening perspective and an energy medicine perspective. And I sort of say I work in the middle from a holistic perspective, really a lot of emotional healing, sometimes as part of a physical healing practice, sometimes as part of a spiritual awakening practice. It's all mixed. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, so it was a personal journey for me. And then the, the switch into women's energetics came about with the birth of my first daughter, which was late. I was 38. And she's now 18. Oh my God. Uh, and I all had a real health crisis afterwards that caught me by surprise because I've always been so healthy. And I really had to sort out what was going on on a lot of different levels, which led me to research women's energetics and um, dive into that. So I, I love everything you're into because we're all into it too. <laughs> oh, good. So do you still do a certain type of meditation or do you, because I, I know there's different types. So you said Kundalini, I know of Vipassana and different types of meditation, but what do you like to practice? So my main forms of meditation are chakra meditation, which was my original lineage that I was in for many years. And now I also study with a Tibetan Buddhist teacher and that does Lama Sultram Alioni, woman, American woman who is a Lama within the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And so I do those practices as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if someone was very like brand new to meditation, what would you describe it as? Mm. What would you say? What is meditation? Mm. Trying to settle into your awareness that is beyond the content of your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, even your physical sensation, trying to settle into that, even if it's just for a few seconds out of each meditation as you begin to strengthen your ability to tap into that, it opens doorways to energy that is unseen, levels of guidance that are unseen, and non-reactivity. Your ability that when different thoughts and emotions arise, you don't just habitually act on them. <laughs> you have space. And really, that, that idea that you're trying to find these moments of just sitting in your awareness, that extends across all different meditation types, no matter what you are focusing on, whether it's your breath, a word, whatever, right? A chakra. Then the next level up, each of those meditation types have different benefits, but at the base level, they're all about that. Yeah. Mm, I love the way you just described that because when I started doing meditation, I was really confused. I had no idea like what it was really about. I just knew I needed to sit with my thoughts, but I hear from a lot of people, you know, I have no idea how to meditate one and two, I'm so bad at meditating. All I do is like run my thoughts. Right. Yeah. So what would you say are like some common obstacles people run into when they're starting their meditation practice? Yeah. Well, that is the nature of the human mind. And I have been med meditating 35 years and I will still have meditations 
where my mind, you know, if I'm highly triggered by a situation or something going on in my life where my mind is going crazy. So I think it's really important to just let go of that idea that if your mind's wandering, you're bad at it. No one is bad at meditation. (laughs) It's just a matter of depending on what's going on in your life, the state of your energy body, many different things. How many little moments of quiet do you get? And maybe in 10 minutes, you get one <laughs> second, you know, I, but it's more than you would have had. You're stopping the train that otherwise runs completely out of control all of the time. And each little moment like that, you're strengthening that self-awareness. You're strengthening your ability to know this part of yourself that is more that that is beyond your thoughts and your emotions, right? So the most important thing is letting go of the judgment and just doing it, whatever you can do. And then there are a lot of tools, you know, some people are prone to, you know, there's this model of the guitar string. It's it's a Buddha story that he took this guitar string and he likened pulling the string too tight to having a busy mind and then it breaks. And he likened having the string too loose, you get to being drowsy or spacey, right? And most of us are more one than the other. I'm definitely a busy mind person. Some people, as soon as they meditate, they fall asleep. My husband's like that. So it's different ways of checking out. And what we're trying to do in meditation is be present. That's all just part of the process is those experiences of being really busy or being really drowsy and trying to find that nor, you know, that guitar string that, that plucks, mm-hmm. <laughs> you could say. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. You just said, yeah, I'm still after 35 years, this still runs, you know, because I, like you said, it's the nature of your human brain, but I've noticed that when I sit in meditation, those running thoughts, just really, really calm and center after just a few minutes. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. No, it really does work. (laughs) You know, exactly. It does work over time. Just because I'm a curious person, your, the logistics of how you meditate, do you sit, do you stand, do you lay down? Does it change every day? I have a pretty formal meditation and I sit, I'm doing a pretty formal practice at this point because it is part of my spiritual practice. Also to do the kind of work that I do interacting with so many different energy bodies for myself, I absolutely have to have that meditation or else I begin to get pulled off. So I have a, I do have a formal sitting meditation and then depending on whether I'm doing one of my chakra practices or a Tibetan Buddhist practice, you know, it's a whole sequence of focusing on stillness, a particular chakra, perhaps a mantra, et cetera. There's like a sequence for each meditation, but I, help people find the meditation that works for them. For some people, it is going to be movement, mindful walking, laying down definitely works for many people. So I think there's, there's a wide range and it's really about finding what, what works for you. I love that. It's not limiting. Yeah. You know, that's why I asked because I had a feeling uh, it was different for you than it is for me, than it is for someone else. And that it doesn't have to look like you are sitting down, you know, like (laughs) hum, like that type of thing, even though it definitely can fall into that category. But I love that you're destigmatizing what it is to meditate. And then you moved into energy work and the, and the chakras. So I guess, what were you pulled to when you started doing that work? And what is energy work? You know, I think as I meditated on the chakras, the reality was I realized I had always been experiencing the world energetically and I hadn't known it. Classic empath, which someone, many of us in this work are, I'd just been taking on other people's emotions as my own. So I really at first was about learning how to tap into my own energy and clear it out 
And then I just have a kind of techie brain. My career before this was in technology. That was the work I was doing when I was having the stress issues and all that. So then I really gravitated to the tech of energy medicine, different chakra mappings from around the world, phases and connections and the channels, all of that stuff I really like. Um, so as I studied that, I got you know deeper and deeper into how this could be combined with allopathic medicine, with personal development, with whatever someone was doing in their life. It's that unseen level. When we're working at the energetic level, we're empowering anything else that we're doing. That's yeah. so cool. That's your Aquarius moon. You're like, I'm going to get. I, no, I know. That is the techie part. Exactly. That's exactly it. And innovation. So your Pisces is so spiritual, right? And then you have that Aquarius moon being like, but let's look at the yeah. engineering of how this goes. It is. It, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and you work or you're passionate about working with women's energetics because you said after you had your daughter, things changed. So if you wouldn't mind talking us through like a little bit of that journey when you had her and what were you noticing in your body? And then when you sat in meditation or used your, you know, the chakras, how did that start shifting? I had already become aware of the shifts in our subtle body that occur in combination with menstruation, right? And, and this is a part of so many traditions around the world, this understanding that there is this sort of emanating energy moving into ovulation. And then there's more of a retreat energy as we move in to premenstrual. And we can learn to work with that for within our own lives for a lot of different things, for manifesting, for spiritual contemplation. There's a lot of ways to work with it. And that mirrors what goes on in our energy body. There's this opening. It's we're constantly going open and close. For those listening on audio, right? I'm going open and close <laughs> with my hands, right? It's like a, a flower, right? And uh, so I knew that. And I actually had a really blissful pregnancy, was fortunate to have that, where I was feeling that my second chakra, which is the spiritual doorway of, to birth in our pelvic area was opening. And I was realizing, oh, okay. Like this is the spiritual doorway for birth. In addition to the physical doorway and that blissful feeling that some women feel I was really feeling in later pregnancy. So it was really blissful pregnancy. And then after the birth of my daughter, a real crash physically, um, psychologically, you know, it was hormonal, but I had health issues. I had a gallstones, which is not uncommon. And then I went in the hospital for that and ended up with an infection. And I just hadn't had health problems for years. I'd been very fortunate and I had a very good health routine and I could feel it was energetic. Even when I had time to meditate, I was having a really hard time bringing the Kundalini up. So that got me looking at all of this. How does a woman's physical body and the level that attaches to the energy body shift? And I really discovered, okay, we have this hormonal crash that occurs. We also have this energetic crash that occurs. We also have this energy line now to our child that lessens over time. But in those early days is very intense. And especially if you're energetically sensitive and I've been working, it can be really difficult. A lot of women will feel like they completely lose their, their intuition about anything other than their child, that they lose their creativity. And this is all temporary, but knowing how to work with that and get your energy flowing again is key. And then knowing how to work with that mother-child energy line, knowing how to let it lessen over time, knowing how to close it when you need the break energetically, all of this stuff is, is women's energetics. And then perimenopause and menopause, which is a really fascinating time, kicked off by the Uranus opposition in astrology, yes, absolutely, which is linked to Kundalini. 
And all, you know, this, this, there's the, the irregularity is also tied to kind of these Kundalini births. And it's a really fascinating time to kind of rebirth yourself. So that's really what I consider women's energetics, understanding the subtle body cycles of menstruation, of pregnancy, of postpartum, of the mother child energy line, and then of perimenopause and menopause. Wow. That's, that was a lot, but <laughs> no, it's so layered and it's so true. And, you know, women are pretty into, I mean, men and women are intuitive, but especially women when they're going through parts of their cycle and just bringing that awareness to certain parts of their body. That's what you help women do, right. Is like just kind of fixing or acknowledging where there's maybe energy leaks in the body. It's interesting because I feel like men also go through a cycle, but it looks a little different energetically, doesn't it? Absolutely. Men go through a, a cycle and we're even talking about, what is it called? Menopause now. And <laughs> they absolutely go through a cycle. And I mean, I think one of the great tragedies is part of the whole male female conditioning is that men are often, you know, it's getting less, but so conditioned to shut down both emotional and energetic sensitivity that it's even harder for them to take advantage of these, these cycles. Then in the meantime, women are sort of, sometimes it's almost like, um, uh, the, the messaging is you should make sure your cycle and your feminine energy impacts you the least possible, right? Like don't own it at all, because what you should be trying to do is make sure it doesn't uh, inhibit, you know, it doesn't cause any sort of inconvenience whatsoever ever in your life, right? Which is, is missing out on an opportunity to really ride some powerful energy waves. So in general, you know, it's no, not news in this culture. We have problems with sex. <laughs> we also have problems with anything related to reproduction and anything related to cycles and anything related to sensitivity, really. And you need all of that, both men and women to really own your full self. Do you find that there are certain like a sexual trauma that tends to be held in like the first chakra, the root, or do you find that sometimes it can manifest in different parts of our body? You know, it, it the core wound usually is root and sacral, but it's then there's going to be the emotional trauma that is more specific to the situation, right? Is there a lot of shame and self-blame? Well, that's often held in the heart and the sacral. Is there a real sense of disempowerment? People usually, especially if they're abused as children, will it impacts their relationship to their own power, right? They may develop a survival strategy of being really people-pleasing, right? Just trying to stay safe by accommodating everyone. Well, then that impacts the, the throat and the navel, right? Or they could be like, I'm never going to be vulnerable again. And they become very self-sufficient. They never ask for help. That's like a hyperactive navel chakra and everything else is shut down, right? Or they could become disassociated from their body because their body they feel like is, is, is not safe. So they have dissociative patterns and they highly develop the upper chakras. Could be really intuitive, really good. A, a, a lot of upper chakra stuff, but are not embodied. So have a lot of health problems or have a lot of problems maintaining financial stability and things like that, right? So those are kind of some of the main things. There's there's like wounds at the root and sacral that are the most obvious, but then there's long-term imprints that impact the whole subtle body. Wow, you just described most of my life. <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I've always known that I have like issues with my throat. I, I did grow up in an abusive household. So speaking up for myself was hard, but I have noticed it manifests in other places in my body. But let's say um, you feel like someone feels that they have this blockage. Is there something that someone can do besides just awareness to kind of get on board with unblocking? 
Yeah. I mean, it's partially, partially all the personal work, which I can sense you've already been doing. Right. But then I, what, what I would usually add to that is some energetic practices and often for the throat, it's going to be like, you're focusing at your heart and then imagining literally with your mouth open <laughs> light coming up and out your mouth and, and doing an ah, as you do that and doing that for a minute or two. And then I would do it at the navel also. So be focusing on a real generating some power in the navel. And then, so it's like speaking from your heart and speaking from power. Those are what you're trying to build. Speaking from authenticity, speaking from a place of power, both of those same thing, uh, the, the, the navel coming out. And I would have a client doing that just a minute a day if they can for a period of time that's kind of long-term contemplative energy work you're you're uh over time empowering 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 a new default for the energy body right often what happens when you're doing that things happen in your life <laughs> to trigger your force to speak up for yourself whatever it is right uh, i mean look at you you're doing a podcast like wow what a way to push through throat chakra blocks. This is amazing, right? <laughs> be true. And it hasn't been like an easy journey, but I, I do feel healed after doing this, of course, even though there's always work to be done. Oh, do you feel like anyone really truly reaches an enlightened state or is there always a little bit of work to do in balance? You know, it's such an interesting question. Um, I, I do believe in enlightenment, awakening, but I, I think it's not necessarily, if you're in a human body, there's still just things always arising. So what changes is your relationship, that they no longer limit you, that they no longer define you, that they're no longer what you're making your decisions from, your old fears, wounds, imprints, obstructions, but things are still going to rise. Right. All the time. Because you're in a, if you're in a body, it still holds all this stuff. So it's really about your relationship to it, I think would be what changes. And I don't necessarily think there's an end point because I think there's a point then where Maybe you're no longer dealing with releasing obstructions, but now you're dealing with trying to pull through greater and greater levels of light through yourself. And that is never ending. So true. And that's why we're here in this incarnation is to learn those lessons and to really be aware of our body, even though it's our soul, you know, steering the ship. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Do you have any stories you, if you can share about working with someone that you really saw like a change in them and I don't know. Are there any fun things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, there's a lot of them. I, I think one that's really common, and this is very common for women. I mean, something I work on a lot is boundaries, right? And there's a lot of reasons for this. I mean, any trauma survivor uh, of, of whatever gender, there's usually boundary issues because there is some sort of sense, especially if it was physical abuse, sexual abuse, of not having a right to boundaries because it's usually an authority figure that that um, did the abuse, et cetera. So there's some sense of not having a right to boundaries and we're gonna do a lot of work on boundaries and that root and navel chakra and, and this ability to create a kind of second skin. And I think that more than anything can really change people's lives because if you have someone that's, def that's defined themselves as an empath or unconsciously taking on that role, they, they kind of build a very protected life and it limits what they feel they can do. Right. And so when you start to actually have faith, that, oh, I have boundaries. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. So now I can try for this kind of job that I always thought I could never do. Oh, I can go out more. Oh, I can date. I can. So I've seen that a lot. I think the other big one is that survival mode navel chakra model that I was talking about. Usually with someone with that, they, they may come to me and they're highly successful. 
And they'll be like, Lisa, anyone who knows me in my outside life would just, they think I'm on top of the world, right? But I can't meet someone or I can't be in a relationship for more than a few months or the, the relationships that I do have always end in, in anger, you know, that kind of thing. And and doing the work on that to um, kind of let go a little bit in the navel, open up in the heart, create a sense of resilience, like, okay, I'm, I can risk getting hurt. I'll be Okay that changes someone's life. And I have many stories of people who did go on to meet someone after that, right? A different kind of person. So I think those are the biggies, you know, and then there's the visions and all that third eye stuff. But I feel like, especially with trauma and with women, boundaries and opening up, letting go of that survival mode are the things that can most transform your life. And what beautiful lessons to learn. I think boundaries has been a huge lesson for me. And I know for a lot of the listeners. And I love that you talk about how all the chakras, they really work together. They're they're a a system. They, you know, they communicate with one another. And I feel like sometimes, have you ever seen it swing, you know, where someone overcorrects their boundaries and maybe they're too rigid and then maybe they need to work on their heart a little bit. Like, do you see them kind of communicating together? Well, in a way, that's exactly what this navel chakra, like the survivor mode can do. That can be one expression of it. Someone is very guarded. And they are most comfortable kind of maybe being the boss, but they can't do peer-to-peer. They can't do intimacy, right? It's all very guarded. And and the price of that is you're very alone. You're very alone and isolated. Um, and so, and, and the thing about our culture is it kind of rewards that personality in some ways because we reward accomplishment. So you're getting feedback from the world. You're doing great if you're doing well in your career, right? But you're, you're lonely. And, and I look at, you know, the mental health crisis that we have in this country and, that's a piece of this for sure. We have a lot of very lonely people. Uh, we all need healing on our heart and on connection. Absolutely. And I do feel like a meditation practice and energy work is really healing and cathartic and useful, such a useful tool to accomplish that congruent with if you're, you know, psychotherapy or other shadow work and things that really help like your mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I just appreciate your work so much. Uh, I had some listener questions. Uh, I had a few of them and I'm really excited to share them. Okay. So Andy asked, um, what are some healthy ways that we can process trauma and how can we, you know, work with our chakras to, you know, reach that goal? If someone is working alone, uh, on with their chakras, then I'm going to focus on what I call the positive side. Like with the chakras, you could work on the obscuration. But for that, I usually am going to want someone to be supported, right? In case working on the obscuration directly brings up memories or things like that, that you need support around. But that is one side of trauma work, right? The shadow work, you could call it from a shot energy body perspective. Uh, But if someone's working on their own, then you want to maybe first, just the simplest thing to do would be to focus in on the lower chakras. Almost always the almost always, it's going to depend on the prior work someone has done, but almost always the place I'm starting is is working on feeling safe in the body, which is that root chakra. So doing say um, the root bowl is one exercise I have in the book, which is this feeling that the earth is coming up and creating this bowl to protect you and also sending vitality up into your system, focusing on that root chakra just a minute or two a day and doing affirmations that are specific to you. Uh, and maybe um, if you feel like you're not present very often, it could be, 
I can stay present in a difficult moment. Like if you have a tendency to check out, right? That is a trauma response. Or I can stay present in my body. I am safe in my body, right? Maybe it's I love my body. If you know you have a lot of negative imprinting about your body. You know, so that could be where someone could start on their own. I would say the root, the sacral, and the navel, those lower three are almost always where we're going to start with trauma. And you could focus in on just one of those and do a little bit each day. But do affirmations where you're trying to bring forth the opposite of the obscuration uh, as you focus on that chakra. And just that little bit each day, over time, it creates shifts in your whole energy body that then you'll be processing in other ways in your life. Wow, that's powerful. I love affirmations. I, I think they're just a beautiful way to reaffirm your subconscious of the message you're trying to, you're trying to achieve. Oh, beautiful. Okay, cool. So Erica asked, how can we identify where trauma is stored in the body? So we kind of talked about this a little bit, but how do we, um, how do we manage that? If we feel like something's a little off in our body, you know, there's kind of two levels to this because there can be, where is the trauma stored in a way that's not felt every day. Right. And that's the kind of thing in energy work helps you see. But if you are a seer, if, if someone is intuitive, they could, and again, usually you're going to want to be supported in this by someone, uh, bring to mind a certain memory or um, a, the, the person, the abuser, and just see what you feel in your body. Cause usually you're going to have a pretty strong reaction somewhere, but that's work. Normally I'm going to want someone to be supported in, right? I think the other side of it is the imprints that are impacting this day to day. So what kind of situations cause anxiety to spike in your body uh, that, that you think are probably related to the past abuse? And that's like what you really want to be dealing with, right? Because you, so then you can, after the fact, when you're feeling safe again, go back into that moment and be like, okay, really where did that anxiety appear to be generating from my body? The experience of it was my heart pounding faster, my breath getting shorter, my mind starting to shoot around, but where did it feel like that was coming from? And you, and you may be able to, to scan and find that, but if not in a way, it doesn't matter because if you're doing chakra work, what you're trying to do is bring the counter vibration in and it naturally begins to dissolve those obstructions as you bring that energy through, um, regardless of whether you know where it is. So you don't have to get completely fixated on memory or where it is if you're trying to work on your own. Just try to bring through, especially those lower three chakras, the safety in the root, like kind of joy in your body and the sacral, uh, the counter to shame and personal power in your navel. And if you're just trying to bring those three through, that can do a lot. So that was a really profound piece of advice you gave, just doing a quick scan of your body. Um, you know, you said, is your mind running? Is your heart pounding? You know, are you feeling ungrounded or things like that? Maybe you're, you're stepping over your feet, you know, or whatever it is. I think that's really smart. And a lot of us, if we're triggered, we almost mm -hmm. forget automatically because we're in that either fight or flight response, but it's mm -hmm. so smart what you just said about, okay, just check in really quickly and which part of you is kind of feeling that trigger or that res trauma response. Exactly. And then if you're doing tools, if you have tools, you're working when you're not triggered. If you're practicing them, you're just doing some root chakra work or something once a day for a minute. Eventually you will be able to bring that into that moment. Maybe not right away, but eventually you will. And you have this kind of memory that kicks in of, oh, this is what it's like to feel safe in my body. I'm going to try to bring that in right now. 
I'm going to activate my root chakra and try to feel safe in my body. So that's really what you're trying to do is make that bridge so that eventually you can use that tool in the moment. Yeah. Especially if you're in a fight or flight or a trauma response, feeling safe is the first thing you want to do because your mind is all over the place. So yeah, that is great, great advice. Transitioning into uh, the women's body and women's energetics. So Steph had asked, what is the most common trauma women are aware of? Yeah. I mean, it usually is sexual trauma. And I think post me too, we're having much more understanding that even if there wasn't physical abuse or assault, there could have been experiences of harassment or disempowerment that still left an imprint. Right. And I think that's a lot of what we're, we're, we're working through at the moment and trying to do that in a balanced way. Um, I think a lot of that comes up, especially in perimenopause is recognizing the depths of our conditioning sometimes like the depths of people pleasing, how much it might have caused you to deny your own needs, for example, that comes up a lot and really learning how to speak that. And that's sometimes tied to trauma, sometimes not. Sometimes it's just tied to conditioning. Yeah. And I, I know there's women that have experienced sexual trauma, but maybe even also an advancement of someone that made them uncomfortable or, you know, a situation where they felt like they weren't in their power or their worth including their sexuality. So I'm sure that kind of lays on the body in some places. Yeah. And there's so many different ways it can come through. It can come through religion sometimes. Uh, obviously it can, it can be related to race or ethnicity and biases along those lines. There's a lot of different ways we might be receiving this kind of repressive messaging from outside. And the more conscious of it we are, the more we can lessen its impact on us, our internalization of it as true. We're trying to really say this is a lie, right? This is a, and push it out so we don't internalize it. Exactly. And there probably are things through your work that you can be preventative on. Like if you're maybe about to have a child or you're pregnant, are there tools or things you recommend in your book about how to like be preventative towards maybe birth trauma or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah. I think really relating to it um, as this, yeah, relating to it as this both physical and spiritual process letting go of the idea of the perfect birth, which is, uh, can be a problem in our, in our culture, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Letting go of that, letting go of your worth being tied to birth unfolding a certain way, all of these kinds of things. And then it's really in the aftermath, taking the time to allow yourself to self-care and heal, finding that balance, allowing, you know, you want to bond with your child at the same time. If you're struggling, you want to make sure others are caring for your new baby for periods of time where you can take that break, close that energy line, focus on bringing your own energy up and getting that flow going again to help you with that postpartum recovery. And that could also be true of uh, someone who's maybe about to experience menopause. You can just focus yeah. and meditate and work on your energy to prepare for that. Yeah. Perimenopause and menopause is fascinating. I mean, truly, well, you, you probably as an astrologer, you'll know more about this, but really it's this Uranus opposition kind of kicks it off. And then the Chiron return is the other bookend. And this is this 10 year phase that it's a, it's a real midlife opportunity to rebirth yourself. And often what comes with it is new gifts, new energetic and spiritual gifts or creative gifts or other kinds of gifts. And if you go through it as this transformative process and you know, you're, you are in uh, working consciously with your energy and working consciously spiritually that's what it becomes. It becomes a rebirth. 
And now with age expectancy, life expectancy growing so much, we do have this whole other phase post-menopause to use those gifts, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really, um, it's an amazing time. If someone doesn't go through that, the risk is they actually become very rigid. And that is sort of the stereotypical aging cycle that in fact, you just kind of decline and get more and more rigid. In fact, your body is going to age, no way to prevent that, but your energy and your spirit can be getting more and more and more alive. And then death is really just like this passing off of this shell that's gotten tired, but you're in the light. You've gotten, you've sended more and more into that as you age. Right. right. And you've already touched on this, but there's so much conditioning surrounding being a woman. Do you have kids or do you need to have kids or what that birth experience is like? And oh, yeah. how menopause, you know, you're, you're an old hag, quote unquote, or whatever that is. Yes. It's, it's been told to us since we were little, which is crazy. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Beautiful work of taking the power back and helping women take the power back. Uh, your work is, Absolutely. yeah, it's needed right now, I think, for sure, with all of this deconditioning we're doing in this new paradigm. And the last question Katie asked, why is it so important to seek out trauma-informed practitioners or healers? Yeah. Well, because uh, someone who isn't trauma-informed can inadvertently re-traumatize or trigger someone, you know, and, and this could be very well-meaning people. I mean, just recently I had a client and this has happened more than once uh, that I was speaking with and they had gone to a Reiki practitioner very good Reiki practitioner. But when they told them their story of some of their sexual abuse, the practitioner started to cry. So then the client is starting to, has to comfort the healer, right? And and they end up hugging and all this stuff. So I think from the practitioner's perspective, they maybe thought I'm being compassionate. I'm, you know, empathizing with this person. But in fact, it was a re-traumatizing experience, right, for that client. Now, that's an extreme example. Other more minor examples can just be uh, someone doesn't know, okay, I really need consent to touch and I need continual consent to touch. I really need to lay out the arc of this process, tell someone exactly what to expect. So there's it, there's no uh, nothing that is unknown coming, right? Some people might uh, not feel safe in a closed room with a, an energy healer one-on-one. -on -one. They'd rather have the door open, right? All of these kinds of things. We may assume a dark room and candles is relaxing. Well, no, for someone that could be highly triggering. So that's that's why it's so important. Also, just knowing how it, it isn't about pushing someone through. It isn't about catharsis. It isn't about let's get to that dark memory and go through and rewrite. You know, that can be that can be a modality that works. Sometimes that can be really re-traumatizing for someone. So that that's all these, these are the kinds of things that someone who's trauma-informed is aware of. Right. And it's so nuanced per person. Like you said, some person's yeah. preferences are so different than another's. Is there, oh, it's so tough because there's so many Reiki practitioners and I've actually had some pretty scary experiences, but is there a certain way you can authentically pick a person you're working with, or is it a vibe or is it a certification? Like, yeah. what does that look like? Do you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and just to be clear, I don't practice Reiki because I do guided, you know, guided work, contemplative work. But um, I think, you know, the best thing is to have a referral and be able to ask that person, what is a session like now? I, you know, obviously that isn't always the case, but that's really always the best with any kind of practitioner. So you can really ask questions. You know, there's a certain amount of intuitive read you can do off someone's website. 
but that's limited, right? right? I think referrals is so it's yeah, the way to go. Yeah. And it's very individual. Someone could work for one person and not another. Yeah. Wow. So in your work, you do guided, is it through guided meditation and also affirmations and journal prompts? Like when I'm buying your book, what can I expect to see and learn? Yeah. In the book, that's exactly what I'm laying out. So it's guided chakra work that is visually based affirmation based. There's recordings on my website that goes along with it. Journaling prompts, all of that, you know, in my private session work, I'm doing more distance healing. So as we're going through a guided work, I'm using my own awareness within that person's energy body to help speed that work along. Right. And I'm going to do other kinds of release work. I am going to do some of the supported trauma work that we talked about needing support around, but the book has all of that sort of work that you can do on your own safely. And I think that's the important thing because sometimes people are afraid, you know, this, the whole point of putting something out as a book is no, you can do this on your, this level of work you can do on your own and it can be very powerful. And I like that because you can go at your own pace. You can really work on one chakra at a time. You can feel out which one you want to start with. So that's amazing. Okay. So where can we find your books? <laughs> it's everywhere. It's because it came out through Llewellyn. So yes, of course it's on Amazon, but you can also order it through any bookstore. If you're supporting an independent bookstore or Barnes and Noble or Whatever. And you have two books. One is meditation and one is uh, chakra empowerment for women. Yeah. So chakra empowerment for women is the one that lays out these 12 chakra tools. And it talks about the transits and sexual trauma healing a lot in the different phases of a woman's life and boundaries is a big topic in there as well. And then the art and science of meditation is really for someone who has a meditation practice and looking at different ways to deepen it. Great. Okay. I'm running to Amazon or Barnes and Noble to go get your books right now. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for your time and just all of the gifts that you give to us in this community. I just really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you doing this podcast and connecting people and all the light that is coming from you and uh, really just wonderful work. Oh, just two water signs out in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. And then where else can uh, people find you if they want to work with you further? My website is enlightenedenergetics.com. And uh, yeah, and then I'm on Instagram as uh, Chakra Empowerment. And I'm on Facebook as Chakra Empowerment. So you'll, you can find me both of those places. And, and depending on when this airs, I have a, a three-month class starting January 21st, 4th, that ties to the book. So it's a, I do it every year. It's like three months of going through the book in a supportive fashion. So it's not as expensive as doing private sessions, but a way to do that a little bit deeper work with uh, the tools in the book. So that's an option for people and you'll find that. Oh, fantastic. I love all of those options. Also, you had several different websites and even your writing is really fantastic. So if someone just wants a little taste of what your book can offer, you can go to her website and check out her blogs. They're really good. So anyway, thank you, special guest, Lisa. I just love, love, love your energy and it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. What an amazing conversation with Lisa. I will link all of her goodies in the show notes. And of course, you know how to find me at spirit underscore sis on the gram, spirit sis at TikTok and spiritsis.com for all of my readings and offerings. And until next time, I just want you to know that trauma does not define you. You are a warrior. You are in the process of healing. You are safe. And most importantly, you are loved. Bye-bye.